0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, I know. I'm glad to see you too. (laughs) Um, Drew said, man, it was a packed house last week. And I was like, oh, great. Nobody shows up when I'm here, and, you know, I get it, Drew. He's got the gift of encouragement. Um, All the Wake Forest fans, raise your hand. Yeah, best team in the ACC, right, right. All five of you We're so happy for Wake Forest. Um, My family and I, we just got back from the new Wineskins Conference. It was a great time. It was amazing to see the nations come to Ridgecrest and to celebrate what God's doing in the world and be challenged with the idea and the reality that because of the gospel, we are to go to the ends of the earth with this message of good news. It's amazing to hear stories, stories of great suffering and joy, and also just to see the people of God rejoice together, every tribe, tongue, and nation. It was a, a very special time, and our team that led that will, will deserve a lot of applause when, when, they, when they get back. Today they finish with a communion service. We are in this sermon series, um, The Stories of the Kingdom. This is the guide for that, and today we're going to hear the gospel lesson, which Ryan read, Um, but I want to start us off with this thinking before we pray, that Jesus had this amazing way of teaching. He could tell stories that were so powerful, so profound, and yet at one level so simple that even... Children in a little nursery school could understand them, but it shows us his brilliance that he could explain the kingdom of God in such a provocative and amazing way. And that's why we're looking at the stories of the kingdom, the way that Jesus wanted us to see the values of the kingdom and express those. Many modern scenarios look at Luke chapter 15 and chapter 16 like this. It would say Luke 15 is a triad of three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, 100 to 1, the lost coin, 10 to 1, and then the lost son. And almost like that's the end of the story. And then he moves on to Luke chapter 16. I think when we come to Luke chapter 16, most of us would rather go back to Luke chapter 15 because Luke chapter 16, as we heard with Lena last week in a great message, is this hard passage. And the hard passage is it deals with money. And most of us like to have it, but we don't like to hear about the difficulties or the challenges of money. And it's even more convicting when we get to today's lesson that most of us by the end of reading Luke chapter 16 feel very guilty for any money that we have in our pocket. But I want us to understand something about Luke chapter 16. Most of us would think this is the issue with the Bible and money. We think Jesus hates money. And maybe, subtly, Jesus is this consummate socialist. But I want to say not so fast. Jesus never denounces people of wealth. He does not. He never exalts poverty over wealth. He never exalts wealth over poverty. Rather, Luke chapter 15 and chapter 16 are one combination of five parables to teach us something. These five parables form a devastating subversion, not of the hatred of wealth, but the need for us to live repentant lives. Not the hatred of wealth, but the need for repentance. And what happens if you don't repent, and what you value if you won't repent. So I'd like us to see this morning these five stories from Luke chapter 15 through Luke chapter 16 progressively and definitely making a point to the end. So let's pray as we dive in this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, that it is truth, and that because by believing your words to us, we may have everlasting life. This morning as we look at what seems to be difficult passages dealing with money, I pray you give us the grace to see the bigger issue, which is the need in our hearts to repent and to trust you with little or with much. And most of all, we pray this morning that we might be encouraged that your promises are true, that you are with us, and that this life and even the pursuit of the good life in this life is not the end of the story. I pray that we might be lifted up by knowing the person of Jesus Christ and worshiping him. I pray this in his name. Amen. So if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 16. But here I want to set the stage with the two stories. First in Luke 15, which we heard Jason preach on a couple weeks ago. The lost sheep and the lost coin. And most people will say, The the main motif behind these two stories is that God cares for lost things. He does. That's not the main idea behind Luke chapter 15 with these first two stories, lost sheep and lost coin. The main idea you see is when it says that there was repentance and celebration because of that repentance. That's the main idea. Jesus is setting us up something to understand his kingdom and what his kingdom values. And here's why it's important to understand this. If you look at Luke chapter 16, you'll see in verse 14, which was not covered last week, listen to this. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this, and they were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Here's why the Pharisees were so angry with Jesus is Jesus was preaching the message of good news to the kingdom, and the people primarily who were responding to it were those who were the last and the lost and the least. In fact, it says in another place, tax collectors and sinners. So here are the people who are hearing the message of good news, and they're the very least likely people we would expect to respond to that good news. And the people we thought who would rejoice with the good news Are not rejoicing. It says they're sneering at Jesus. Think about that body language. I don't even know how to make a sneer. Uh, I know "stank eye" is what my daughter gives me. Um, So, what is sneering? It's this hatred of response to Jesus's message and person. Why are they sneering at Jesus for the good news? And this is why, in verse 14 of chapter 16, he says. That the Pharisees who loved money, this is why they're sneering. In fact, his message would underdo, uh, under um, would subvert or take away their power and their glory by revealing their hearts. So Jesus starts off with the Pharisees and a crowd of tax collectors and sinners gathered around him, and he tells these two parables: the lost sheep and the lost coin, and he makes it clear that, that the angels in heaven rejoice when people repent, when that which was lost is found. It's the inherent value of people by God. I want to put up an icon, which is one of the ancient ones that we have of Jesus carrying the lost sheep. It's this picture of his value of the people of God, and this was an icon to remind us of this lost sheep metaphor. The second three stories that we see in Luke chapter 15, which is the parable of the prodigal son, the shrewd manager, and then today, the prodigal Lazarus, reveal something else. And the way all three of these stories start is they start with this phrase, there was a man, okay? So what Jesus is doing is he's telling a story and the story gets more complicated and developed as he goes. Lost sheep, lost coin. There was a man with two sons. There was a man who had an unjust manager. And now there was a man who had wealth. He's developing the complicated story to make his point. So let's see these three things. First of all, the prodigal son. Here's the picture there was a man who had two sons. If you're familiar with Luke chapter 15, you know this story. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing story. It says there's this younger son who's, who takes his inheritance and he goes away and he blows it on loose living. And then he comes to his senses. That's a nice way of saying he saw his end and he repented. See what Jesus is getting at with this story. Is yes, the father comes running out to the son. And there is a lot of emotion around that. There's a beauty of that. The father comes and gathers his lost son. But don't miss that the son repented and returned to his senses and went home. Without that, the story would not end the same way. So he goes back without an inheritance. Some commentators would say this. What would happen to this son eventually? He gave up his inheritance They celebrated fatted calf, and he stayed on dad's property. When dad dies, who gets the property? The older son. So, when the father dies, the older brother eventually becomes the owner, and to be compassionate, the older brother gives the younger son a second chance. Now we understand last week's message. Here's the parable of the prodigal manager. There was a man who had a farm, a vineyard. And this is the prodigal manager who's probably employing the prodigal son on his property. Well, what does the prodigal son do? Well, if you remember the story from last week or if you want to view uh, verses 1 through 13, that same prodigal son blows it again. See what Jesus is doing here. This story is complex and it's layered. Prodigal son blows the inheritance. Now the prodigal son gets a second chance job. He's working for the older brother and what does he do? He blows it again. You know, isn't it amazing how we can see people and we see their lives and their choices and we go, why can't they just get their act together? Why can't they just figure it out? And you'll see, The power of Jesus' message in just a minute on that. The older brother has the inheritance. He owned the farm. The younger brother comes in, becomes a manager. It's the second best job he's ever had. And once again, he blows it. And if you remember from last week or you want to look in Luke 16, 1 through 13, it says this He came to his senses again. He realized, I've kind of squandered the job. That's a sign of repentance. I blew it again. (laughs) I remember getting fired by Pizza Hut. That's really great for your CV or your resume, right? You don't say I was fired by Pizza Hut. It doesn't get you bigger and better jobs. So here he blows it, he comes to his senses again, and he uses shrewdness to manage money. And eventually we see the next parable. Here's the next parable prodigal Lazarus. It's the parable we're in today. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Who is Jesus talking about in this story? He's talking about the older brother. That's why these stories accumulate in depth. Here's the older brother. He's a wealthy man, And now the younger brother has once again squandered things and he's a beggar and he's in desperate situation. And the older brother in this story dies and he finds himself on the drastic other end of the stick. He who had power and money is now in eternal torment. He looks up And he sees the younger brother by Abraham. Now, for us, we think of Abraham as just a name. But for those who are hearing this story, they know Abraham himself was a very wealthy man. See, the story isn't about wealthy people and poor people. These parables are about those who will not repent in this life. So that's why we buy into this belief, this complicated mess. And we see in Jesus' teachings, the good life is the not so good life, after all. Mark 8:36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? The, other, the older brother, in these devastating parables and stories, represents Those who for some reason don't love their father, but they love themselves. And money is their avenue of the good life. This is why in 1 Timothy we heard read, the love of money is the root of all evil. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says, for either he will hate the one And love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Here's what Jesus is getting at. And I think that's helpful for us to understand the point of these stories. The point is not about rich people and that people with money are bad, and that poor people in poverty is somehow good, but rather, A failure to believe God and to heed his words, which requires repentance. To trust him will leave the other alternative in play, which is to love money. What do you think, Jesus said in another place? Matthew chapter 21. There was a man who had two sons. Sounds familiar. He went to the first and he said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. Verse 30, then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Jesus says, which of the two did what the father wanted? The crowd around him answers, the first. Jesus says to them, truly, I tell you, Tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. What's Jesus' interest in this story? It's not about poverty and wealth. It's about repentance and turning to him and trusting him. And this is precisely why if we cannot believe the promises of God, we turn to the promises of money. Think about this. What are the promises of wealth? Here they are. If you acquire wealth, somehow you will have control over your circumstances. You don't have to trust God, but rather you control the outcomes of your life. A few years ago, I saw a video clip of Steve Jobs, who at the time I think he was worth $5 billion, just chump change. And Steve Jobs was standing outside a medical clinic and he weighed about 100 pounds. And he was dying of pancreatic cancer. All the wealth in the world could not buy his life. You see, if I believe in the promises of wealth, I buy a lie that I have control over my circumstances. Second promise of wealth is that you can dominate others. You don't have to love your neighbor, you can have power over them. And this is why the accumulation of wealth can lead, often leads to injustice. But I believe those promises. I don't have to deal with that person, I can have power over them. Third lie about the promises of wealth is you don't have to build character and thereby cultivate respect from your neighbors. You can get it through wealth. And the last one is, you don't have to have love, but you are able to buy affection and loyalty. These are the promises of money. This is why Jesus devastates them by saying, you cannot serve both God and money. You will love one and you will hate the other. That's what these parables are about. The most amazing people are not those with money or those without money, but rather those with or without money who love God, who believe His words, and who live them out in His life. I have met extremely and radically generous people who are wealthy. And I have met extremely and radically generous people who have nothing. And I see in all kinds of people this this call towards radical generosity. This is why radical generosity fulfills the promises of God. A person who is radically generous believes that God is in control over their circumstances. I can give away because it's his stuff anyway. Listen to the Apostle Paul. He says in Philippians 4.12, and this is an amazing verse. I have learned the secret of being content in plenty and in nothing. Think about what would have to become true in your life to be able to say that. I have learned the secret of being content in much or in very little. We know Paul was probably himself very wealthy as a person, and probably even acquired more wealth as a religious leader. His trust in God affected his outlook on his life. Here's another promise of God if you trust God, you will serve others even when they are ungrateful or hateful. You will see that everyone, even your enemy, is made in the image of God. If you trust God, you will have one of the most precious commodities, commodities in the world, character, which carries you into eternity. And as you trust God, your generosity towards others causes you to become a truly loving person. This is why I say Sunday after Sunday, I say it to you personally and privately, I say it to myself give generously. Do not store up your treasures, but rather give your resources to bless and share. Let me close with this thought for us this morning on this passage. The younger brother, who shockingly in this story, was on the outside, and his behavior was scandalous and dishonoring, and to the culture around him was an abject failure. He understood one of the most important kingdom principles that Jesus is illustrating. Did you notice in this parable, of all Jesus' parables, and there's something like 50, this is the only one that contains a personal name. His name is Lazarus. What does Lazarus mean? Well, it comes from the Hebrew word Eliezer, which means God has helped. Think about that. I don't think that's accidental that Jesus would make his name Lazarus in the story. Who does God help? God helps those who cry out to him. God comes to those who repent. God comes to those in need. Who does he not help? He does not help those who do not cry out to him. He does not help those who do not repent. The younger brother in these three stories, the prodigal son, the prodigal manager, and prodigal Lazarus, this younger brother is the one who embodies the gospel. The younger brother knew his bankruptcy, even in his failure, and he couldn't fix it. Even though his story got tragically worse, and again, it seems like, why can't he get it together? Everything seemed his fault. What a failure. What a wasted life, this younger brother. But he cried out to God and he repented. And in the end of the story, he ended up sitting at Abraham's right side. It's a metaphor in our language for he went to heaven. He lost in life, but he gained everything. The older brother, on the other hand, did not cherish the words of his father, and so he consequently cherished his luxury and his power. But in the end, his wealth could not save him. He spent an eternity in regret. Which of the two sons did what his father wanted? The first, they answered, Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you the tax collectors, and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.